Greetings, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. This is Pastor Mike, and I'm here in my office with my Bible open to Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul is talking about the roles of husbands and wives and how those roles are meant to portray the relationship between Christ and the church. So in Ephesians 5, starting in verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, I've been to more weddings than I can count. As a piano player, I've participated in the weddings of friends, relatives, and a wide assortment of people I hardly knew and never saw again after their wedding day. Now, having been to so many weddings, I have at times been guilty of sitting through a ceremony without really appreciating the significance of what is taking place and what is being pictured. Boiled down to its essence, a wedding is two people publicly making a commitment to one another. There's all the other bells and whistles that go along with a wedding, but really when it comes down to what is taking place at a wedding ceremony, that's it, that the focal point of a wedding ceremony is the giving and receiving of vows in which a man and a woman commit to love, honor, and cherish one another in an exclusive relationship for as long as they both shall live. In looking at marriage as a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church, it's of paramount importance that we see that Jesus has completely committed himself to us. Ephesians 5.27 is a promise of commitment from Christ to his bride. The promise is that he will present his bride to himself without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. He will see through to the end that which he has promised. This promise of commitment is repeated throughout the New Testament. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. At the end of the book of Jude, we have what we call the doxology, where it says to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence, without fault, and with great joy. You see, marriage is a covenant relationship, and it is God who has fulfilled the requirement of that covenant through his own death and resurrection. Because he has fulfilled the covenant requirement, he is able to make these bold and definitive statements regarding the future, that he will present his bride to himself without spot or wrinkle, that he who began this good work in us will complete it until the day of Christ's return. In this dramatization called marriage, Jesus is portrayed by the husband as standing at the altar before his bride, taking a vow of commitment and love. He takes his vow first as the covenant keeper and then waits for those who would respond by committing their lives to him and by doing so, then entering into that covenant.
I love Romans 8, 35 through 39, because when read in the first person, it reads like God's wedding vow to us. When it says, Who shall separate you from my love? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, you shall be more than a conqueror because of my love for you. This is my solemn pledge that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from my love. It's like, man, when I see Jesus speaking these words to me, I cannot help but come to the altar and commit my life and my love to him. It's important for me to understand that love and commitment cannot be separated. Love without commitment is not real love at all. 1 Corinthians 13.8 says that love never fails. This means that love keeps its commitments. If as a single man, I told Sherry that I loved her, but was unwilling to make a commitment to her, my professed love would have been exposed as shallow and self-serving. Now, it's become all too common in our culture today to desire and pursue all the sexual, emotional, and even spiritual benefits of a relationship while leaving the door wide open to walk away when that relationship no longer meets our needs or desires. Like love, biblical commitment is not based on a feeling, but a choice. The staggering divorce rate testifies to the fact that those who take public vows of commitment do not see them as permanently binding if their marriage is no longer satisfying to them. In our union with Christ, we can eternally rejoice that His love and commitment to us is immovable. That is why in the divine picture of marriage, described in Ephesians 5, it's the commitment of the husband to his wife that's emphasized. God wants the world to see and understand the nature of His love. His love is a covenant love. His love is seen rightly in the context of commitment. Men have become notorious in our modern culture for their fear of commitment. The very word is equated with entrapment and bondage. This is a lie from the pit of hell. The Bible says um, there later in Ephesians 5, He who loves his wife in the same way loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. Committed love nourishes my soul like food nourishes my body. As a Christian husband and man, I'm called by God to take my wedding vow seriously. Divorce is not an option. I will live according to my promise for as long as we both shall live. This commitment of love to my wife was designed to challenge the cultural values of the society around me. More importantly, My commitment to my wife is to model the unshakable commitment that Christ makes to those who put their faith and trust in him. But then, what about the commitment of the wife toward her husband? Although commitment is not mentioned specifically in Ephesians 5 in regards to the church, it's assumed because of the very definition of a wife. If a woman is married, it means that at a known point in time, she went through a ceremony in which she took a vow. This is true of whether she was married in a chapel or a house or in the Church of Elvis. 
A bride's wedding vow is a picture of the day I committed my life to Christ. I am to be steadfast in that commitment until death. Now, the Bible is filled with accounts of people who finished life well. Their stories of faith and commitment are there to inspire us to run the race to the end. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. At the end of his life, Paul was able to say in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. When Stephen, in the book of Acts, was being stoned to death, it says that he looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. This is the only instance in the Bible where Jesus is described as standing in heaven. And just as he did with Stephen, Jesus stands at the finish line, rooting us on to finish strong. We can eternally rejoice that Jesus is absolutely committed to present us to himself at the wedding feast of the Lamb as a radiant bride without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. It's the amazing work that he has done on our behalf. Today, may we as his bride worship and express our unwavering commitment and love to him who is our groom. Amen.